What's up, everybody? This is Zach uh, with EM Weekly. I am back uh, with the first episode of the year. That's not me. I uh, actually dropped an episode today, uh, which means nothing to you because I don't know when you're listening to this. Uh, But I am here with Doug. Uh, Doug, you may recognize uh, if you listen to uh, Disaster Tough, uh, but we're going to be getting into the nitty gritty of city interagency coordination Uh, why Doug has probably the coolest job in New York City when it comes to emergency management and a little bit of his history. So, Doug, thank you for joining me. How's it going? Uh, It's going great, Zach. Thanks for having me. All right. So uh, I won't make you rehash everything you talked about. Disaster tough. Like I said, people want to go listen to that. They should. Um, But give us sort of the, the short and sweet of how you ended up in your position, maybe a little bit of like who you are. I probably should introduce you officially uh, and then how you got to where you are. We'll be right back after this quick break for ads. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue, and collapsed and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. If you served in the military, you've probably worn Proper Apparel. Proper Apparel is now reaching out to first responders and those who love the outdoors. Check out Proper Apparel from the outdoors to the EOC, wear proper. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. Sure. My name is Doug Bainton. Uh, I've been a New York City firefighter for almost 20 years. Um, I've been at New York City Emergency Management for about four and a half. And uh, the way I got into my current role, which is citywide interagency coordinator, I'm one of many in a unit uh, combined of New York City Fire Department, Police Department, some other agencies, a couple civilians. It's a nice mixed group. And we apply through a request that comes from NISM to fire department operations, and we submit our resume. We do an interview with New York City Emergency Management, and you get the job and you go. It's probably like, uh, so I I told you this when we talked uh, offline, but when I was starting my emergency management career about, I mean, officially, professionally, a little over 10 years ago, there was a video that popped up. Uh, on New York, uh, I think it was NY or it was New York, NYC OEM at the time, not NYSEM. Right. Uh, and they had a video basically talking about what our city, uh, inter, the interagency coordinators within the city. Uh, and I saw this and I was like, why don't all emergency managers do this? Um, as I was moving into my professional career, I became a state watch officer, which is sort of the closest thing we have to that. Um, and while I was there, I was like, all right, we need to be more active and like trying to find the issues ahead of time so that we're not reacting to them, that we can lean into this. Um, and myself and, and another emergency manager at the state even built a proposal for, you know, essentially saying no one should be working out of uh, the state EOC unless there's a reason like the, it's, it's activated, which only happens, you know, a handful of times a year. So everybody else should be working at boots on the ground as close to the folks that we need to, our constituents and the other agencies we work with as possible. So I saw this video from uh, New York OEM and I was like, this makes so much sense to me. Uh, why don't other cities and why, why does an emergency management function this way anyways? You know, cause 
you know, you guys respond to everything, right? You respond right. to the little stuff and the big stuff. So maybe just okay. like give a little bit of like, like what is what prompted this and how does the city use you and how do you differ maybe from a typical emergency manager? So, like you said, we do respond to pretty much everything, anything from a what we would call a single alarm fire. Uh, but it might be in a church or some other sensitive type of location, a hotel, that kind of thing, to second, third, fourth, fifth alarms and bigger. We do water main breaks, anything infrastructure related, street undermining, steam explosions, building collapses. You know, we run the gambit. And the, uh, you know, I think there was a time back, you know, when this unit started where just, you know, the people had in power, you know, like the people had an, an idea that we're in office that, you know, we need this coordination. It's a thing. How can we build this? And the idea, I don't know exactly how the idea of using the fire department, police department members, but it makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, because we speak the tactical language. And if, if we can learn the more strategic language and put those two together, we can become a bridge that, you know, changes the game because everybody and in New York City, it's very like this, I'm sure. And even in small towns, yeah. agencies are siloed. Everybody's in their own house doing their own thing. And when the thing happens and you all got to come together, if you haven't been working together, it's very hard to get a what's commonly called a battle rhythm. Right. Yeah. So that's so that slows everything down. You know, so we we show up and if I go to a fire, I've been in the fire department a long time. And I know I can look at the fire and I got an idea of what's happening and I can kind of see, okay, this is where this is headed. It's good or bad. And now if I come back to 10,000 foot view, I can maybe see something that the incident commander doesn't see and a resource that they might need. And I might be able to come up and say, Hey chief, uh, I see this and this, do you need a crane? Because once you get to this point, you're going to need a crane. And I know the fire department doesn't have <laughs> that crane that they're going to need. Yeah. And, and they might say to me, wow, I, I wouldn't, you're like eight steps ahead of me, but yeah, if you could get that going, that'd be great. Right. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing where, you know, sure. Emergency managers are, we're resource providers, but if you don't have that kind of background or even association, you don't have to have been a firefighter or a police officer, but if you don't have that basic understanding of, what that tactical move is going to be and how it fits to the resource you can provide. It's a lot harder to do. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think you, you hit on a couple things there. So in the course of, so I, I was a firefighter EMT did some time as a cop in the military. Uh, I've got a lot of the tactical, um, you know, roles and I moved up in some positions where I was in the quasi, you know, strategic tactical level uh, within agencies, but uh, when I came into emergency management, uh, it was almost entirely responder based. Uh, you know, there really wasn't uh, a lot of sort of those professional emergency managers that came up through uh, the academic programs and, you know, some of the the newer approaches through FEMA, like the basic and advanced academies and stuff. And so we all responded to emergency management as sort of responders, which uh, anyone who is who's been through emergency management for a long time, you know, there was advantages to that, but there was also disadvantages to that because we got, we got into the weeds and we often didn't sort of get that high level uh, view. Now you kind of fast forward today and we have much more of the professionals who never had a response background 
And I'm starting to recognize that like, there's uh, a ton of benefit to coming up through that pipeline, but we're missing out on certain things that I think could hurt emergency managers or at least uh, an individual in their career field because they don't have that opportunity. And this is why I've advocated and foot stomped this. I, I have an entire episode about it. I tell people, get out from behind your desk. You know, don't mm -hmm. sit there and think only at these very high levels because those types of disasters only come around every so often. But like you said, the fire that has, you know, a, it's a multi-residence, it's a, you know, it's a bunch of people who are from out of town and don't have the resources locally. That stuff happens every day in your community. And so when I, when I think of this, I think the interagency model could potentially work across the country where there's a lot of agencies that are single person shops, Absolutely. you know, sure you can open the EOC, but if you're sitting there by yourself, you know, because it's a small community and there isn't that support, that mm -hmm. mission still needs to be accomplished. And I think that's where, uh, where you and your fellow interagency coordinators could potentially help, you know, uh, small agencies figure out how do you run an EOC with a very small amount of people? Cause that's basically what you're doing until it's a big enough situation that you're like, right. I need to call back and, and get more support on this. Right. Yeah, We have access to the EOC at all times. I mean, we're, yeah. we're very fortunate in our, our resources here in the city, you know, but honestly, my job, a cell phone, a portable radio and my vehicle is all I use to do what I do. I do more talking and thinking, you know, the physical tools I use are, are limited. It's, it's those relationships that you've built and, or that you're building. And, you know, it's interesting because I've also seen where we started police or firefighters became the emergency manager and the profession has moved and worked very hard to move away from that being the sole model. But I think, like you said, we've gone kind of to the opposite end where now you've got folks coming into the field with no concept of what an actual emergency really is and what one isn't because there's a difference and emergency is in the title emergency manager, right? So folks are getting into the weeds with these future ideas about stuff that haven't happened. And that's great. But if you can't handle the thing when it happens, because it's going to happen when you don't expect it, you're kind of you're in a bad spot. Right. Yeah. So you need to be able to have that kind of tactical mindset, not background. You don't have to have been a, a police officer. It just you don't have to. But you have to understand and accept the fact that tactics is a big part of strategy. It feeds strategy. Right. So you have to be able to. That's where we're kind of like a hybrid. We're we're a lot like liaisons in many ways. Yeah. Uh, but we're like a hybrid between a liaison and an emergency manager, a full time emergency manager. We work in ops. I'm briefing anyone from the commissioners, the mayor, uh, all the way down to the probie firefighter who's asking questions. Yeah. You know, and we have to be able to move fluidly in and out of that realm and be able to do an inter we run interagency meetings with bosses of you know the utility companies the fire police everybody everything from chief level staff chiefs all the way down to you know the your field operations levels and you have to be able to to do that yeah and, and I, I think coming out of college with just your book knowledge will make that very difficult yeah and i think the other thing is um the Bond and kinship that comes from suffering mutually with other people yes. uh, is 
you can't replicate that through exercises or training. Mm -hmm. It really does come down to like sometimes just being in the trenches with other folks. A, it proves you can like, you know, you, you have the skills and the mindset to think, like you said, dynamically with very little equipment and solve major, major problems, which I think is like the coolest part of emergency management is like, we're always resource scarce and the problems are always gigantic. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, being able to step out and sort of, you know, your, your emergency management role and just sort of like appreciate what it's like to be on the scene. And I think every emergency manager, I know there's a lot of agencies, like I know, we work with uh, Portland Bureau of Emergency Management and uh, their folks will do ride alongs and stuff with the fire department and police department and stuff to sort of get a sense of the city. Um, and I'm sure this takes place at a lot of agencies around the country. But um, I think that consistent working relationship where you're like just it's you're a an extension of those agencies is like the best case scenario. And I know in my experience, you know, one of the things that I'm really lucky with between the podcast and us you know, working with many, many agencies across the country is we get to see all sorts of different models of this um, from the agencies that are basically their own little isolated. Like you said, they kind of live in their own world. They still work good with other agencies, but they just aren't necessarily as integrated as other places. Right. Some places where they're like, I wish someone would call and ask me for help. I got nothing to do but plans here. You know, this is great. I'm checking all the boxes and, and making our requirements and, you know, doing my best to make sure that our, our community is ready for whatever's coming up. But I don't get to play that often um, to like, you're like the, probably the, the, as far on the other spectrum as possible, where you guys are always busy, always yeah. running into it. So yeah, we don't deal with planning or any of that. I mean, the only planning type of thing we ever do is planning the next meeting and planning what resources are required to get this building demolished. Yeah, you guys are in the planning P all the time versus like right. actually trying to, uh, you know? yeah, which is, again, where like, I think I want to stay, like, I'm not saying every emergency management agency should only be stuck on like, you know, response mode. Of course. I think it's a blend between the two. But I think when I, when I see what you guys are doing and I hear how you work with the EOC, um, and how the, just the relationships between all the agency works, that's what we should try to figure out. So, um, I, I guess one of the things I wanted to ask is sort of, how do you, like, do you start to see this as something that other communities should look to, to, to build out their programs or like, what, what sort of thoughts do you have on like, how could this work maybe elsewhere? Oh, absolutely. So the one thing that we find in New York City is because we're so big and there's so many resources, everybody's got so many things, we'll have people come from small towns, even small countries, and look at what we've got and go, well, I could never do this. And I always I always pull out my portable radio and my cell phone, I said, and I always tell them, if, if we went to your town, if you gave me your equivalent of these two things, I could show you how to do this. You don't need, you know, it's, it's relationships. And it, we talk, we, we talk almost ad nauseum about this in the, in, in the emergency management realm, right? Yeah. You know, exchange business cards before the disaster and all this stuff. But um, I found that that's, that does, that's not only the only thing, you know, you're like you said, you're in the trenches, you're building these relationships. You're going to see, uh, you know, that person again in another incident in your town. Don't just like, oh, hey, good to see you. How's your mom? You know, like understand what it is they need so that you can support them better. Because if you learn how they operate, you can be better prepared to help them get their job done faster next time. Don't just wait for them to come and expect them to figure the whole thing out. Now, you're not running the job. 
But, Everyone listen to that. What he just said is very, very, very important. You know, you it, can actually get ahead of the disaster. You can stay ahead of the curb if you know mm-hmm. your partners well. If you know that the fire department has a limitation on this capability and it's something you bring to the table, you don't have to figure that out during the disaster. Nope. You've been there. You've seen it. You say, you know, like you said, it's the crane. If you know because you have a relationship with the the crane operators in the city from another disaster that you reacted to and you know this incident based on what you're seeing is going to require a crane, you go, hey, chief, I got you. And mm-hmm. they go, sweet. And they don't, there's no need to make like a big deal out of it. You just have that, you have that flow. It. Right. You know, it's like uh, EM, endless meetings, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what – and that's what it drives me. It drives me nuts because I've seen it time and time again across the country where everybody wants to have a meeting to talk about the next meeting or what they should do. And it's sometimes we, somebody has the answer, just open yeah. your mouth and provide the answer and let's get it done. You know, cause this, we're in the field we have to get this done. We get there. There's no uh, zoom meeting later on today. Yeah. You know? Uh, and that's a, that's the thing about um, sitting, like you said, sitting in the office and trying to get outside is until you get out and actually do the thing, smell the flood, uh, you know, see the impacts, talk to the people, everything's conceptual. Yeah. It's all conceptual. It's it's just numbers on a screen. It's a video on the news. Until you get there and hear the sounds and, you know, and people asking you, why didn't you answer your phone? It's, well, because I have 14 fire trucks around me, power saws, <laughs> you know, the electric company's doing their thing in the street. Uh, there's a steam main hissing and I can't get away from it type of thing, you know, or trying to get to a quiet space. Until you understand that, uh, it may, I think it makes you a better emergency manager. It's like in our in our job in the fire department, they tell you, if you're studying for boss, like lieutenant or something, yeah, just the act of studying makes you a better firefighter. Yeah, right. It's it's very similar concept. If if you know there's a piece of the emergency management realm that you're in that you don't get to do, find a way to go see it. So at least even if you're never going to become a responder, even if you never develop a CIC program, at least have that understanding so that if and when that time comes, you can do it, or you can help your colleagues call out and go, hey. I see you're at this thing. We have access to X, Y, Z just in case, you know, just that little thing can probably save 30 minutes to an hour in the field. Yeah. And I think you, you, you kind of also talked about this, but like until you see how busy an emergency scene is, uh, I, I, and again, I've been fortunate to be on both sides of this from, you know, the person going through the door uh, to working at the state EOC and taking the requests, you know, uh, I think oftentimes a, a lot of us, especially when we're at the EOC, is we're like, why are we not getting enough information from the field? What are these guys doing? Like, there's a huge disaster going on, and no one is talking to us. Mm-hmm. And until you're there, I, I think USAR teams, IMATs, and wildfire, uh, you know, incident management folks are probably get it the best because they they go into communities where they don't have the infrastructure that they're used to, but they build out this sort of information sharing system and they have this uh, get it done attitude mm-hmm. um, and they make do with what they can. And they're a good, again, similar to what you do, and they're like a good sort of, uh, you know, bridging of the gap between the EOC and, a, and an incident um, in a way that sort of I guess develops you to appreciate both sides and be flexible and make those decisions really quickly. And if you haven't sort of been in any of those positions, you can't, and it's not that you're a batter. You might be the best emergency manager in the whole world, 
but like you said, you don't have that context and that understanding of like, I'm here, I'm looking at the fire. The fire chief's trying to keep all of his people alive uh, and rescue everyone from inside. And their assistant fire chief, you know, she's the ops chief now. So she's trying to make sure that all of the tasks that have to be executed on scene are being accomplished. And then the police officer over there is dealing with, you know, the criminal element of this and road, uh, you know, the traffic issues and all this other stuff, crowd control. All these folks are working really, really hard. They need stuff. They need help, but they don't have the bandwidth to even ask for it. And so that's why I think it's really cool. So I, when I I was, see it sometimes like they just can't, Right, by, you're by task saturated. Job, they they can't think that far ahead because they're going to lose track of of their priority feature, and and that, and that's where we come in. Yeah, you know? you're just you're basically buying them some decision making room, and perhaps mm-hmm. they're going to do uh, they're going to be better suited to save lives because they're not like oh crap, all right, this is a giant bill. I got to call the Red Cross, right? Make sure that they're coming down. Uh, oh, sh- we're going to be using a lot of water. I probably should t- you know. Make sure that, uh, you know, the power light and water folks are all here. Right. Uh, they're, you know, you come in and you go, all right, let me take this off your plate um, because this is actually my area of expertise right now. Mm-hmm. And now the chief is like, oh, cool. All right. I need to get, you know, water on that fire over there. I need to get that person out of that window and down here. EMS can deal with, like, it's just you're relieving them of the burden of everything else. And it's not to say that the rest of the stuff isn't important, that chiefs don't do this daily across the country because they do. But what I found in just even my personal experience, again, I literally tried to model my approach to emergency management because I was in a single shop for eight years at the university. And, you know, at first, no one knew what to do with me. And by the time I left there, the police chief, the fire chiefs, they would call me first and say, hey, we got a major thing going. Can you come help us out? Because I could get there, sit up next to them and run essentially an EOC for a small incident, support them with all sorts of things. And a lot of times it was just making notifications, making phone calls, connecting the dots so that they didn't have to worry about that. It was a huge burden off them. And it was fun for me because it's the same thing I'd be doing in the EOC. But for most incidents, it's unnecessary. You don't need to bring a whole EOC together. It's it's really, you can manage a lot of it from the scene. So and, and I just, um, again, I, I want to foot stomp it again and again and again. It's all about working those muscles before the big one. Because when the really, really big one hits, are you going to be in the field? Probably not. Nope. But because you've spent all that time at those many disasters that happen in every single community, I promise you, every community in every this day. country has building fires, has water failures, has electrical failures. Every single one of those is a rep. So when it's time to you know do the heavy lift you're strong enough and you know how to do it and you're not going to have an issue with it and and you know uh it's funny like when you hang out with folks you know fdny i mean you guys are the gods to most of the fire department right everyone looks to fdny as like this huge awesome department when you meet those folks because you get such exposure to so many different incidents nothing shakes you guys right and so when you feel people like when you're around people like that, because they've done it all, they've tried, you know, they've tried different approaches to all these different incidents. Uh, they're calm and they make good decisions and they're confident in their decision making. And that only comes with experience and, you know, and of course, training and exercising. Um, but like that real world experience is just it's bar none like that is there's just no better way to do it. So, 
yeah, yeah everything you're seeing is plenty like, of full scale exercises. They were well done, well designed. Uh, and you know, they help you identify some gaps before sure. the thing happens. But there, yeah, like you said, there's no beating being at the scene and seeing it actually unfold because, you know, all, what, how's that saying go? Uh, all, all plans are great until first contact, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I can't, I can't tell you how many times just in the four and a half years I've been, uh, over here that that has come to fruition. They're like, Oh, we have a plan for that. And you look at it and you're like, I can't do any of that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do any of that. There's a massive protest that's taking half the police department away. So we don't have this manpower to close that many streets, that kind of stuff. Like just it's the insanity that happens in the city on a daily basis is probably beyond comprehension for anyone who's never spent any <laughs> time here. But, uh, I think everything is scalable. I, I don't believe that what we do is is solely something that only New York City or big cities could do. I think it's a mindset. It's just I think we most of us have the tools. You have to be you have to be willing to work with what you got. Know where you want to go. Reverse engineer it, and step by step. But you have to socialize the idea amongst your colleagues and all these other agencies that hey, let's have a regular once a month whatever you know uh don't make it weekly or daily that i mean nobody wants more meetings on their agenda <laughs> just whatever go to lunch have a yeah. have a lunch meeting if you have to but like get out of the office go do whatever it is go to a scene you know prioritize what project you're working on and if you hear there's a big thing going on put that on hold get out and go see what's going on yeah the two oh, you know the two things that I found uh, helped me the most early on in my career was if you wear a reflective vest, you can basically walk into any room in the world yeah. and people assume you're supposed to be there. Yeah, you're, you're uh, with somebody who belongs there. <laughs> the second is uh, uh, coffee, tea, water, whatever. I made it a uh, a habit that if I hadn't talked to anyone in a while, I'd send them a message, say, hey, I'll buy you a coffee. Let's go chat. And it's almost every single person's like, yeah, you know, that's great. Like, let's do that. Cause it's a meeting, right? But it right. doesn't have to feel that way. You spend the first couple minutes just like catching up, see how everyone's doing. Mm -hmm. And you'll immediately get a sense of like, okay, where are we at as in a relationship? Like are things awkward or things weird? You know, what's the first thing they bring up? Because you get uh, sort mm -hmm. of a sense of like, what is their priority? They might be thinking like, Hey man, like we haven't seen you at our monthly, you know, interagency collaboration meeting or something, or, we haven't seen you uh, or heard from you in this way. And so it's just a good way to sort of like, oh, man, that's right. I really dropped the ball on that. I apologize. Um, you know, just to keep because, again, emergency managers, what our job is really just like keep the, the plate spinning on everything. It's, you know, hopefully we have our At plans up to date. Finger, right? Exactly. And so, you know, but you can't do that all by yourself. You require mm -hmm. a network of people. So you do have to build that. And it, it's awkward if you don't have that emergency response background. Walking into a firehouse is like walking into, you know, a different world that doesn't speak the same language, mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't have a, a culture you recognize. Uh, it, you have to really like, it takes time to figure it out. And I could promise you, you know, I bet if your first time walking into a firehouse was probably scarier than any fire you ever responded to. <laughs> For sure. That was my experience. I was like, holy mm -hmm. crap. I am like, on I hope my they like the cake I brought. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is just a different experience. And if you don't understand that uh, and sort of get the uh, how firefighters and cops and EMS communicate with each other, 
I mean, for one, you're going to hear more swears and, you know, uh, <laughs> things you've never Our heard before. Yes. Strung together in ways you couldn't imagine. And if you haven't seen that before, you might get there and be like, what is happening right now? Especially so, in the city here. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the city. Yes. Uh, I, uh, I did stand up comedy for, for a little while. Uh, and you know, it's funny. I met tons of comics. I got to tour around the state for a little bit. Still hands down the funniest people I've ever met in my life are firefighters and military people. Like you just, it's a form of comedy that can only be created through the most tragic, horrendous experiences you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, if and you, you come to be up okay through, with gallows humor, if yeah, you oh my gosh, yes, you do. Yeah. And, and you'll see it like, if you, especially like, uh, as a newer emergency manager, as you get into EOCs, you'll see how these dynamic relationships work out and stuff. And you're probably wondering, how do I do that? And it's through this, it's through some way of proving yourself and proving to others that like you can take a beating that you uh you can think on the fly that you're not going to get offended because we we say things and we do things we don't mean when we're under stress Mm -hmm. there's nothing more stressful than a disaster um and so like you know what doug is has reiterated now several times and again i i'm probably talking ad nauseum about this is uh it doesn't necessarily have to be nisim's approach to interagency coordination but the principles that Doug has talked about in the last 30 minutes can be applied anywhere. You have to figure out on your own how that works. But like I said, put on a reflective vest, get a clipboard with some paper on it. And if you show up to a meeting and you sit down in the back, everyone will kind of look at you for a second. They go, all right, I guess Zach's supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, And you do that a few times and you start to introduce yourself and uh, you start to say, you know, don't go to a, a, a police chief or a fire chief and say, Hey, you need to include me because they're going to be like, I don't know who you are. And no, I don't. I'm getting along just fine every day before I met you, which is at this very moment. Humility I didn't know you existed. A long way. <laughs> yeah. But if you go to a chief and say, Hey, so I saw at this, you know, recent incident that like you had to make a bunch of phone calls, you know, and you were trying to coordinate this mass care response to the, the hotel fire. Um, what if I came and took that off your plate? She's going to go, all right, now you got something to offer. So let's talk. And then when it happens, the next hotel fire, you go, I got you, chief. And you take care of that. I promise you the next time you you have an incident, they're going to call you. You're not going to have to force your way in. You're not going to have to c- convince them that you know what you're doing. Uh, you're in. And once you're in in the firehouse, you're golden. You're good. Uh, and until you get kicked out of the firehouse, in which case that's it. You may as well change careers. You're never being invited back again. So, um, yeah, I, this is all like absolute golden nuggets of information that not just relevant to what you do, but just, I think for well, anyone, know, it's, that's I mean, it's, it's simple too. Like, you know, we, like I said, in emergency management, the field has kind of gone polar opposite of where it started. And I think we need to kind of reel it back into, to find that hybrid blend of, of, of at least get the information from the tactical side to help you become better at your job and then help them understand how you do your job, which, you know, and if you can build that relationship where their expectations and yours are, are level set, you're in good shape. But go out, uh, meet the emergency manager for or whoever handles emergencies for a museum, uh, a hotel, a condo complex, anything, whatever your, whatever, whatever your version of New York City is. We've all got this. Maybe you're in a small town and it's just suburban, right? Okay, so the fire chief, police chief, maybe they are the emergency manager. That's yeah. fine. 
All right, but you have utility workers, you have all this other stuff. All right, so if you're in a, and if you're in a, even a, a medium sized kind of town or city, but go meet the people that run the things that you might have an incident. What is the incident that keeps you up at night that hasn't happened yet? Figure out who all those people would be and figure out if you know them and go meet them. Yeah. Go talk to them. Find out how, what do you guys do if, uh, you know, you have a evacuation in this building? What is, how do you, how do you handle that? Well, I don't know. We haven't had to do it yet. I get that a lot in New York City. So I figure out who at New York City Emergency Management, which ESF essentially handles that. And I say, hey, so-and-so, uh, are you aware about, do you know the emergency manager so-and-so? Yeah. Do you know, I had a conversation and they have no idea what to do if they evacuate. Do you have a plan that you have worked out with other agencies that you can send to them or that I can give to them? And you just do it like that, you know, yeah. and there's no equipment required. It's just yeah. a conversation leads to a thought, leads to some thinking ahead and figure out who the resource is. And so it's still interagency coordination. It's just not an emergency setting, but it gets you out of your office, go meet the people. So when it does hit the fan at that place and one day it might, you're ready. Yeah. hundred. That's like, uh, I mean, honestly, it's probably where we should end the podcast. Cause that, that is the, the money, uh, moment right there. You've got a couple things you just said, right. Uh, connecting the dots for folks that may, may, you may think they know what they're doing. You know, in my case, it was a school district. I reached out to my school district and I was like, Hey, you guys kind of had a weird issue with a mass notification you sent out. Could I help you with that? And they said, sure. And now we have dramatically improved our school systems response capabilities and preparedness efforts all through just like, Hey, I just saw you need a little bit of help. My job is to help people. Can I, can I be a part of this? Um, yeah, that's, those are really, really, really critical things. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I think, uh, a lot of times we put a lot of weight on training and exercises to be the moment where you're supposed to make these lessons learned, you know, that find those areas of improvement, um, you know, elevate the things that are working well, but you don't have to overthink it. And that's, that's almost like the, you're almost sort of talking about like the you know left of boom moments in the same way you're talking about the boom moment. Like it doesn't have to be a major incident. It can be a small incident. It doesn't have to be a training or an exercise to have these discussions. It can just be over nothing. You might just like see someone on the street and be like, Hey, I just saw you come out of that building and you're wearing the shirt. You know, I'm trying to connect to someone there just to kind of get an idea of how you guys deal with the situation. And they'll be like, Oh, cool. That's me. Or I'll reference you, you know, to that person. And now you've got an in, you're learning about it. Um, it requires a little like, bit of an outgoing personality. I mean, you have I, to get out of your shell in this job. Yes, you have the word uh, emergency in your title. I, I, there is a, there's absolutely a role for people who don't have that capability, sure. but you got to work your butt off if you don't have the the gift of gab. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm the, the nice thing is uh, I think like 99% of New Yorkers can't shut up. So oh, I can talk uh, pain off the wall. Yeah, you guys will talk about nothing that. for hours. So that is, that's a huge advantage over a lot of us. Uh, but yeah, I think it getting out, um, that was one other thing you said was, you know, sometimes just like going and, and just like walking around and checking places out. Uh, that was one thing I found, you know, again, university setting, but I even did it when I worked for the state. Uh, cause I got to drive all over the state and go to all these different meetings was check out all these different buildings and like threats and hazards. And, um, Sometimes you just like walk through a space, right? Like, if, is there a facility in your community that you've never been to? If you just reach out and say, hey, 
I just want to get a lay of the land in the event something happens here. You know, fire departments typically, especially for high hazard types of facilities, will do uh, Mm -hmm. pre-planning. Although uh, Russ, uh, one of my old bosses, always said, no, no, you just call it planning. It's not pre-planning. It's just planning. You're planning before the plan. You're planning. Uh, but, uh, if you, free, right? yeah, so, uh, but if you hook up with the fire department and say, Hey, when you are all going out and checking out buildings, do you mind if I tag along? Mm-hmm. Same thing. Doesn't have to be a big deal, but a, it shows that you're interested in what they're doing. Uh, B it shows that you're connected to them. So in the event of an emergency, people just assume you guys are, uh, all one team, which you should be. Uh, and then C They've done the work. They have to do this anyways. You're just riding on their coattails and you're mm-hmm. going to make their plans even better because now as you're walking around they're you know, they're talking about, okay, well, you've got standpipe over here. Uh, you know, here's the enunciator panel. Uh, oh, they have these types of horn strobes, blah, blah, blah. You're looking around and going, all right, there's the tornado shelter. Uh, oh, interesting. They do have a water supply here. That's, you know, uh, a backup one. They've got a generator. Like you can look at it from a different perspective and now that when you build those plans, they're even more effective. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. What, what we have awesome a lot of buildings that have what we call dual fuel. They can run on, you know, uh, <clears throat> oil or they have, you know, gas, uh, or another source of fuel that they can use for their heating systems. Not all of them have it, but some of them do. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. I cover Manhattan a lot, you know, primarily, and there's a lot of stuff going on in Manhattan and, when you get a building that's got oh, 100 plus apartments and they they have no heat, that becomes a problem. Yeah. Right. You know, we're talking about a big mass care incident and that's typical for us. I mean, our mass care, the, if we have a big mass care incident for most people, that's like, you know. Unreal. Yeah. I don't think most communities could, could imagine level, where they're going to so. house. Yeah. Uh, but it's you all know, scalable. Of, it's perspective. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think in our role uh, in, in emergency management, and if you're, especially if you're like, like to your point about you're just stepping into this, trying to figure out how you could do what I'm doing and my unit's doing every day is, uh, you know, I said this with John too, just lead with empathy. Just come into it and just let them know that you, I see where you're at and I'd like to help. How can I help you? I can do this, this, and this. Do you need this? You know, and that goes a long way for whoever it is. It doesn't have to be the fire police chief. It could be a, a utility incident. And that. That utility, you know, four person might be, it might be the first big job they've gone. And they're just like, you know, and you give them any relief and just let them know someone else is here to help. It makes an insane difference. Yep. You know, we're going to end on that because that's, I think that's the perfect place to stop. Doug, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, I think it's really cool uh, what you're doing. Like I said, I've kind of modeled a lot of what I've done off of uh, what I've learned from you and your predecessors. Um, and I know, uh, other agencies have reached out to you. Um, so, uh, I'll share maybe your LinkedIn on, uh, on the show notes so you can reach out to Doug and connect, uh, but really appreciate it. Uh, if you like this episode, like subscribe, you know, share it, uh, leave some comments. If you got questions for Doug, I'll, I'm going to have him back on just cause I'm, I think this is a really good way, uh, to sort of help out newer emergency managers and maybe get some of the, the more, uh, experienced ones out from behind their desk is this approach. So we'll be talking more about this stuff. So thanks again, Doug. Thank you so much, Zach. Hey, we just want to do a quick pause X to thank our sponsors, L3 Harris, Proper, Paladin by Acela, Impulse, Doberman Emergency Management, and especially all of you who have been donating to our podcast. 
Thank you for helping us boost the signal. All right, let's jump back in.